Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. I get into it. I know I usually start off with a joke and stuff like that, but this morning after the first service, uh, we had an altar call. Folks came up to pray and things like that. But I had a lady come up to me and say that she wanted to come up, but in the spirit, she felt like there was a brick wall that was holding her back, and she felt like she saw that brick wall. And, and to me, I, I, I felt like what she was saying really resonated, that sometimes there's things where we want to go up uh, for prayer, we want to step out, but there's something in the spirit that is holding us back. So before I get into the message today, I just want to pray over that and break that off. So Father God, Lord, we thank you that you are the almighty God and that there is no attack, there is nothing that the devil can do that can stop your glory from moving. So right now, God, we just break down any wall that is in the spirit that would prevent your love and your goodness from overcoming and overwhelming this place. So we just ask that you would just release the flood of your glory and your goodness in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Uh, so Joey did mention preparation, right? And so I wanted to give you all a little bit of insight into the preparation of somebody that comes up here and preaches or, or teaches. There is a few different ways that this happens. You could be a seasoned preacher that's been doing it for years and has dozens or even hundreds of, of sermons that you've done, and God will, will highlight a certain one. And you could just go to your files, pull that one out, you know, you refresh your memory and things like that, and then you get up here and deliver it. That's not me, just, you know, I'm not there. Uh, another thing that happens probably more frequently is that whether it's, you know, someone that's not as seasoned or maybe it's someone that God has just put a fresh word, a now word uh, that he wants you to release. So you spend 10, 20, 30 hours, whatever it is, but most time it's, it's a lot of time, uh, praying, studying, preparing to get up here and release what God has given you. And then the, the last thing or type that happens is those that are just really strong in their faith. Those that uh, are so in tune with the Holy Spirit that they don't need to prepare. They just get up here and they just trust that God is going to move and speak through them, right? And then hope that he does, because if not, it'll be really awkward. And, and that's where we're at today, right? God, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did prepare, I promise. Um, uh, but uh, also, I do want to address the shirt, because I've heard a lot of people ask about it. I wasn't planning on being a walking billboard for Amazon when I woke up, woke up this morning. I do work for Amazon, though, so if you all want to buy something, that's fine. Just wait until after service to do it. Amen? Yeah. All right. Uh, so let me dive right into this. Over the course of this year, uh, we here at Coastal have been talking about reaching out from a position of strength. We've had several people come up and, and encourage you all and equip you and give you tools that you need to be able to reach out from a position of strength. And today I'm going to attempt to follow that same line of thinking. I will tell you, however, that I'm not a typical preacher. Uh, most preachers will try to build up to the point, so they'll try to make sure that, that you get kind of an aha moment, if you will, once you get to it. But me, I kind of have ADHD. Um, I jump around a lot unintentionally, um, and I want to make sure that you all at least hear the points uh, or see them just in case I miss them or in case you fall asleep, right? So, uh, so with that said, the title of the message today is Talk by Faith, Walk by Faith. 
And that is really great colors there. I, actually, it was pointed out to me by Jerry, who's not a Dolphins fan, uh, that the colors up were Dolphins colors. And I'm so thankful for that. Okay, God bless whoever. I'm sure it was Fred, right? But thank you, Fred. Uh, <laughs> right, but the, the thing is, um, sorry, I got off track because of the colors. So uh, talk by faith, walk by faith, right? And so the, the points, the things that I'm going to talk about today that are he is the same God, right? We're going to talk about the God of the Bible and how he still does the same things today. We're going to talk about the power of testimonies and, and what is released and what you gain from that. And then we're going to talk about walking in power, what it means to be a fool for Christ, right? So you all have seen the notes. If I forget to say them, uh, at least you got them. If you fall asleep, at least you got them, right? Amen. Now, the verse that I'm going to be talking about today or basing this off of is actually my favorite verse. I've got it tattooed right here on my bicep. Uh, I would flex to make it larger, but I don't want to make people jealous. Um, you know, but cheap plug, Tim and Aaron, if you know them, they're really committed to working out. I didn't want to make them jealous. But Saturday mornings, they actually have a group that works out here on the beach. I don't go to that, okay, because um, I'm just naturally buff, so I don't need to. Uh, but I digress. Uh, so that verse that I have on my bicep that is my favorite is 1 Corinthians 4.20. In the NIV, it says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. And that is a super powerful verse. Don't talk about it, be about it, right? That's essentially what, what we can gather from that. However, in the uh, NLT, the New Living Translation, it says it just a little bit different. It says that the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. It's slightly different, right? Now, I know most people have a certain translation that they go to, that they enjoy, that they think is the best one. You've got the King, Jer the King James crowd that believes that God himself came down a, a second time and wrote that. It wasn't Shakespeare or anybody else. Uh, and that every other translation is actually the devil trying to distract us from what God hath done in our lives. Um, <laughs> I, I, and that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, my favorite version is the ESV, the English Standard Version. And it's my opinion that it is the best balance of accuracy from a translation perspective and being easy to understand. But when I'm studying, whether it's studying for a sermon or whether it's just me reading through the Bible and trying to hear what God says, I will almost always look at different translations, because I believe that God has given us these different translations so that he can open up the doors for us to be able to see and hear what he has for us. And, and sometimes you might read a, a verse in a translation and it is exactly what you need at that moment. And then 10, 15 years later, you read the same verse in a different translation and it stands out in a different way because of one single word, right? And that's how I feel about 1 Corinthians 4.20. Uh, especially when we look at the different translations. Um, because if you were to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 4.20 and most other translations, it says it is not a matter of talk or not, not a matter of words or some variation of such. But the New Living Translation says that it is not just a matter of talk or not just a lot of talk. And I think that word just is very important. It's critical to understand what Paul was trying to say to us. Because if we took it verbatim from the other translations, it would be easy for us to uh, say or believe that me being up here preaching 
without moving in, uh, in miracles or without moving in healing or prophecy, that it's meaningless or pointless, right? Because I'm just up here talking. But that's not what God or what Paul was trying to say, what God was trying to say through Paul, I should say, right? That's not what he was trying to say. What he was saying is that if all you do is talk, then it's meaningless because the kingdom moves in power, right? It's not just about talk. It's about living in the power of God. You're going to get some awkward pauses here throughout the message today so that I can uh, get some water, but also it adds to the dramatic effect. Uh, James 2.26 says that as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And it's a similar concept here, right? You can't talk about faith and not walk in it. You can't talk about the power of God and not move in it, right? Don't talk about it, be about it. But at the same time, us being up here preaching to people and preaching to one another throughout the weeks is just as important, right? Because if there's no context behind what we're doing, then it just seems kind of crazy. All right, so how do we talk by faith and walk by faith? Can somebody tell me? I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, let's first uh, start by recognizing and emphasizing that he is the same God. My first point of the day, he is the same God. Now, again, I have ADHD, so I kind of jump around here, but the reason why this popped in my head uh, as I was preparing for this message is because I'm the type of person that will have a song, a worship song, that I'll hear that I kind of apply for a period of time as an anthem, right? And it'll just resonate in my spirit. I'll share it with other people, and it's just my theme song for a certain period of time. Last year, all of 2022, that song was Goodness of God by Bethel Music, Jen Johnson, right? Amazing song that just allows us to understand and recognize that he is good regardless of what we go through, right? Then this year, the first half of the year, it was Gratitude by Brandon Lake, right? Uh, and, and that song, again, it just kind of humbles you and lets you uh, uh, just speak out and, and recognize that all we can offer up is a hallelujah. We have nothing else to offer up but thankfulness to God who gives all, us all things, right? But for the last few months, the song that has really stood out, that has been my theme song, has been Same God by Elevation Worship. And we've, played the, we've done the song here during worship a few times, and it's such an amazing song. Right? In the verses, it talks about calling on the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, the God of Mary, the God of David. And in the verse about David, it says, I may not face Goliath, but I have my own giant. And that resonates or should resonate with every single one of us, right? No matter where we are in life or with our walk with God, there is always a giant in front of us that seems unbeatable. And on our own, it likely is unbeatable, right? But in the chorus of this song, it says, Oh God, my God, I need you. How I need you now. And if we would just recognize that no matter what the giant is or no matter what the situation that's in front of us, if we would just call on God and just say, God, I need you now, then we can stand in faith knowing that he's going to partner with us, right? We can then defeat any giant there is. And in the bridge of that song, it kind of goes through a few things that recognize or call out what God was back then and that he is the same thing now, right? It says, you heard your children then, you hear your children now. You answered prayers back then, you answer prayers right now. You were providing then, you are providing now. You moved in power then, God moved in power now. 
You were a healer then, you are a healer now. You were a savior then, you are a savior now. And then after each one of those lines, it goes, you are the same God. You are the same God. That was my audition for the worship team, just so you all know. (laughs) But Fred, you hear that? Next week I'm leading worship. Just kidding, just kidding. But isn't that so powerful, though, to know that we have a book that, yes, it was written thousands of years ago by several different men, but it was inspired by God, and it is 100% true, 100% factual, and it tells of everything that he has done for people in the past. And then we have the promise that we can stand on everything that he has done, and we can count on God to do those exact same things today. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. He's done it before. He's fixed it before. Last week, Adams talked about how there is nothing too big for God. Everything is little for God. And if he did it then, he can do it right now. Amen? All right. I feel like T.D. Jakes now. I was singing. So I was singing, and that's Brandon Lake. And then I preached like T.D. Jakes. Maybe I should change my name to Brandon Jakes. I don't know. Sorry. I don't know. Just kidding. Just kidding. All right, consider the alternative though, right? What if we didn't have the Bible, right? What if we didn't have this book to tell us of everything that God has done? It would be a lot harder for us to be able to believe and have faith that it can be done again because there's no proof that it had been done before. And I'm gonna give you a a real life example, okay? I live my life by the three Fs, faith, family, football. And no matter what my wife tries to tell you, I promise you it is in that exact order. Faith, family, football. I do not put football over faith or family, regardless of what she says. But since we're talking about, since we're talking about football, I am a diehard Miami Dolphins fan, in case you all couldn't tell. Come on. All right. Well, never mind. In fact, I even got the Dolphins logo on my shoes, right? I know, and Fred hooked it up. At least I think it's Fred. If it wasn't him, then I'm sorry to whoever did it. Uh, But life as a Dolphins fan, if I'm being honest, has been miserable. (laughs) Just being real. They haven't won a Super Bowl my entire lifetime. The last time they won a playoff game, I was in ninth grade. And I'm 36 now. And and I, I might only be a senior now. I've failed a few times. But I'm just kidding. That's not true. But it's been over 20 years since they've won a playoff game, right? But... I still can stand on the fact that in 1972, the Miami Dolphins went undefeated on their way to a Super Bowl. Amen, somebody, right? The Patriots tried in 2007. They tried. They made it through the regular season undefeated before the great Eli Manning uh, stopped them in their tracks, right? But the Dolphins went undefeated. And then they backed it up the next year in 73. They didn't go undefeated, but they won another Super Bowl. So they have done it before. So it's not crazy for me to think or believe that an organization that has won the Super Bowl can do it again, amen? And just because I wasn't alive, because people try to bring that up, well, you weren't even alive. How can you claim that? Well, raise your hand if you were alive when God split the the Red Sea, right? (laughs) Nobody here was alive, but does that mean that we shouldn't believe that he can do it again? Of course he could do it again if he needed to. And if the Dolphins did it once, they could do it again this year. Come on. Amen. Now, let's compare that, again, to the alternative 
to a team, and I'm sorry, Jedediah, but like the Buffalo Bills, right? I mean, don't get the Bills are a great team. They've got a great coach. Their quarterback, Josh Allen, he's tough. He's amazing. It, yeah, they made the Super Bowl four straight and lost all of them, right? But the this yeah, they can do it again. This team, right? That there is no precedence. There's no uh, there's no history books or anything that shows that they have done it before. So how can you have so much faith that they can do it now? Just saying. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know that's not that, that's probably not the best example or appropriate example. And again, I apologize to all the Bills fans. But like, you get the point. Like, God has done it all before, and there's proof that he's done it all before. So it's easy for us to believe and have faith that he can and will do it again. Whereas if we didn't have that proof, it would be really difficult for us to be able to have that faith, right? So let's talk about the power of testimonies. Dramatic pause. All right. Definition of testimony is a formal written or spoken statement, especially one given in the court of law, right? When somebody has done something wrong, for example, say somebody has murdered a, a person, there's a good chance based on their actions and what they've done that they could do it again. So we want people to come in who are witnesses of it, who have seen it to say, hey, that person did something really bad. Let's make sure that they don't do it again. Now, the flip side of that is what we should do as Christians, right? It's the same concept, but for good, not for bad, because God only gives good things, right? Is that we should be testifying. We should be a witness to what God has done in our lives, because if he did it once, he can do it again, right? And that's really, when you look at the Bible, the Bible is really just one huge book of testimonies. It's a testimony of God, of creation, of what he has done for his people throughout the years. It's a testimony of Jesus Christ and what he did on earth and the examples that he set for us, right? It's a, a history book. It's a spiritual book. It's an autobiography all rolled up into one, right? But it is a book of testimonies. But should we only look at the Bible for testimonies and only listen to what is said in here, right? Because if, think about it, if the Bible, if God stopped moving once the Bible was written, once all the apostles were dead, if that's when he stopped moving, it would be easy to understand the people's viewpoints, some other denominations' viewpoints, where the gifts of the Spirit are no longer active. It would be easy to believe that prophecy is not for this day, right? The miracles are not for this age. If God stopped moving when the apostles all died, then there'd be no point in praying for healing or praying for anything for that matter, because there would be no hope. He's not moving anymore, right? But I have good news for you. He is still moving today. And testimonies are still being written today. And the testimonies of the saints, of the church, of each and every one of you can be just as powerful and just as impactful in somebody's life as the testimonies that are in here. And that's not a blasphemous statement, I promise. Watch this. So raise your hand if you read the Bible before being saved and without ever hearing a testimony or experiencing the love of God, just simply by reading the Bible, you gave your life to Christ. Nobody here. We did have one in the first service, right? which is good. I mean, it does happen from time to time. But now raise your hand if you heard a testimony from somebody else or experienced the love of God in your own life, and that is what drew you to give your life to Christ, right? Pretty much everybody, 
right? Some of you, I, I must not be saved because you didn't raise your hand. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But like you get the point, right? The, the written word does, it, the written word can pull people in. It can catch people. But most of the time, it's the real life testimonies of others. It's the real life experience of God moving in your life that draws you in. And then once you give your life to Christ, then you open up his word. And then it jumps out of the page at you and it comes alive. And those testimonies help you to grow and develop and to be the man or woman that God has called you to be, right? Dramatic effect. <laughs> right? But rarely does the word alone catch people. And there's a verse, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, where this one kind of stood out to me as I was studying where Paul kind of alluded to this exact thing. Paul says, For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Now, what Paul was saying there is that he testified, he gave his testimony, shared it with other people about what God had done in his life. And then they believed because of the testimony that Paul shared, they accepted Christ into their lives, and then it was confirmed in them because God did the same thing in them that Paul had testified about. And so them then experiencing that same love, that same power, they then shared their testimony with the church in Corinth, right? And it's a beautiful cycle. One person shares the testimony, it grips the heart of somebody else. That person experiences the same thing, they share a testimony, it grips the heart of somebody else, right? And it goes on and on and on. But not only does the power of a testimony draw people into the church and into the kingdom of heaven, but it is also crucial for us to, to use the power of testimony to get through our daily struggles, right? Just knowing that God has worked out a situation in somebody else before can help us to get through whatever it is we're going through now, right? Hearing about how God was with David when he faced Goliath and how God guided that stone from David's slingshot to Goliath's head gives us the faith to know that whatever giant we're facing right now, God is with us and he can help us to overcome. Hearing or reading about how the Israelites, as they wandered for way longer than they should have in the wilderness, God provided for them with manna each and every day, right? And he can do the same thing for each of us. My wife and I, when we uh, worry about money or you know, wonder where all of our money went, um, I can open up the Amazon app and show you, but that's not the point of this. The point is, when we're stressing or when we're worried about where money went, we have two options. We can either stress about it, get upset and fight with each other, or we can remember the testimonies of what God has done for others and for us. He has never let us go without food. We have never missed a rent or mortgage payment. We've never missed a car payment. We've never had to worry about clothing for our children or for ourselves, right? Even when we made one-tenth of what we make now, God still provided. I don't know how, because math has done that up, but he provided, right? And we know that if we continue to give one-tenth of what he has given us back to him, he'll continue to bless us. It's a shameless plug for tithing, just so you all know, right? But God will provide for you if you are faithful to him, amen? When I'm concerned about my health or the health of somebody around me, I think back to less than a year ago, my sister was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And they didn't know at the time how much it had spread, how bad it was. They didn't know the stage, but they wanted to move fast 
because they wanted to try to get it all out. Well, obviously, I was scared. I was concerned. I prayed for her. I prayed with her, right? And I asked God to hold her in his hands and to heal her. Well, less than a month later, she had surgery. They were able to get everything out uh, in one swoop, one surgery, to where she's completely cancer-free after that. God promised me that he would have her in his hands, and he did. And I just want to let you know that God does use medicine. God does use doctors. There are plenty of times where he will show up miraculously, and he'll do things that nobody can understand, but he can also point you to the right doctor. He can also guide their hands in surgery to be able to overcome whatever health issue it is, right? And then also, I think back about my other sister, Liz, who took her own life two years ago. And the shame and the, the, the grief that I went through personally because I felt that I hadn't done enough. Because the way she lived her life, to me, there was no God in that. And me being a Christian for so many years, I, even though she knew I was a Christian, I failed to share my testimony with her. I, sh- I failed in telling her about Jesus and bringing her into the kingdom. But God gave me a vision as I was going through that of him coming down, grabbing her arms, and lifting her up to heaven with him. And then he confirmed it to me at her funeral because I, did the, I preached the sermon at her funeral, and I shared that vision that I, that I had gotten. Right? And I know everybody there thought I was crazy, thought I was you know, just making stuff up, but I truly believed that that vision was from God. And then after the funeral, an aunt and uncle that I hadn't seen since I was a little kid came up to me and told me that when my sister was in her late teens, early 20s, she had come to them and asked them to lead her to the Lord. And they were there. They, they said that prayer with her, and they know for a fact she gave her life to Christ. And then throughout the year, she would call them, and she would ask them to pray with her and to pray for her. And I had no idea, right? But God saved her, even though I failed as a Christian in a sense, right? He still saved her. So when you listen to the testimonies that I'm sharing, God has provided for my family, right? He's provided for us financially. He's given us shelter, clothing, and even some of the desires of our heart, right? Because he's a good father. And if he can do it for us, he can do it for you. If you have a health issue going on or a loved one that you have has a health concern, just know that God healed my sister of cancer and he can do it for you. If you have a loved one who you're concerned about where they're going to spend eternity, he saved my sister and he can do it for you too. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. If you want to overcome and triumph over the enemy, you do that by testimony, by sharing your testimony, by receiving the testimony of others. Testimonies have the power to defeat the devil, and it allows you to reach out from a position of strength. Now, let's talk about walking in power. Remember, The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. I Googled the term or the the question, if you will, what does it mean to live in the power of God? And to be fair, I Googled most of this sermon, right? Um, (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I was going to use chat GPT, but then I saw you had to sign up for it. And I'm like, I don't want AI having my email address, so I'm not going to do that. Um, But... What does it mean to live in the power of God? And what came up was when you take a risk to do what God tells you to do, 
even when it's hard or unpopular, even when it may cost you, even when it doesn't make sense, even when nobody else is doing it, God will pour his power into your life. Walking in the power of God is you just being obedient, regardless of what everybody else is doing, regardless of what anybody else is going to think about what you do. Walking in the power of God, living in the power of God, is just being obedient and letting him show up. The Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20 says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Yeah, we're talking about Thomas, okay, in case you all were wondering. Didn't believe anything. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the, end, to the very end of the age. Now, first thing here is when Jesus said to go, when he said to go make disciples of all nations, it was a command, not a suggestion. He wasn't saying, hey, why don't you try this? He was literally telling them, this is what you must do as a follower of Christ. And the second thing there is that that command, go and make disciples, what that meant is to follow the blueprint that he had shared of preaching the gospel, but then also showing and being the gospel, walking in the power of God. Because everywhere Jesus went, he preached, but signs and wonders and miracles also followed. He still healed everybody too. It wasn't just a lot of talk. It was living in God's power. And I brought up James 2.26 earlier, right? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Well, if you want to make disciples of all nations, you're going to have to work at it, right? It's going to take a little bit of effort. We can't just have faith that it's going to happen. We have to actually do things. You got to do the deed, right? When I was first saved, uh, the reason why I got saved was because somebody gave a word of knowledge over me, prophesied over me. And what they said to me, there is no way that this human could have known this about me because I never met him before. He didn't know me. He didn't know me from Adam, but he opened up. He was willing to say what God put on his heart. And it reached literally my soul because it's exactly what I needed to hear from God. I was saved because of the gifts of the spirit, because of somebody else willing to step out and say what God had put on their hearts. Now, if you want God to move in your life, in the lives of those around you, though, you're going to have to be willing to be a fool for Christ. You have to be willing to step out and take a chance to say the things that maybe don't add up, that maybe don't make a lot of sense, right? You've got to be willing to be a fool for Christ. If you need healing, you've got to be willing to do something crazy for it. We read in Luke chapter 5, the story of the paralyzed man who was lowered down by his friends, right, Uh, from the roof. And I'm sure everybody there was looking at him like they were crazy. Like, what are these people? Number one, they're breaking the roof. Who's going to pay for that, right? But, but then also, it's just, it was a crazy act. But then when he got up, walked away, nobody cared about that stuff, right? They all praised God. It didn't matter how foolish they looked initially because he was healed. And that's what matters. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, right, was willing to climb a tree to be able to see and encounter God. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Adam stand on a chair during worship, right? And nobody else sees it, of course, but he doesn't care. He just wants to encounter Jesus, right? And he's my brother-in-law, so I'm allowed to to talk smack about him. (laughs) But 
the woman with the issue of blood, right? She crawled through a crowd just to touch the hem of Jesus' garments. That looked foolish, but she was healed. So nobody cares how foolish it looked when you get the healing, right? Now, you also, if you want to be used by God to, to be able to live the power of God or live that out, and you want to impact somebody else, you also have to be willing to be a fool for Christ. Just think about Jesus when he healed the blind man, when he spit in the dirt and put mud in the guy's eyes. Like, that, that's disgusting, right? Like, that's gross. Why would he do that? But nobody cared because he was healed, right? Raise your hand if you are deaf in one ear, both ears, hard of hearing. I don't know why I'm asking because most of you can't hear me anyway, right? But, but there's a few of you, right? I, I am... I, my left ear, I can hardly hear in my left ear, right? If somebody were to come up to me and say that in order for me to be healed, they needed to spit in my ear, I'd be disgusted at first, right? But if they did it and I got healed, do you think I would care that I need to wipe a little bit of spit out? Absolutely not. I would praise God that they had the, the audacity to stand up and do something so foolish because my healing came through that foolishness, Right? Naaman in 2 Kings was told by Elisha to go dip himself in the Jordan River seven times to be healed of leprosy. Everybody else, I'm sure, thought Elisha was just playing a prank on him, right? Telling him, oh, go one more time. You're fine, right? But then once he was healed of it, now it's just a great testimony, right? And it's all because Elisha was willing to be a fool and Naaman was willing to be a fool, right? But it's difficult to do, and I understand that. I recognize that. Right? It's difficult to hear God say something that seems crazy and be willing to step out and do it. But there's great fruit if you do. For me, about 10 years ago, I was in a small group setting and we were praying. And there was a girl there that I didn't know, um, but I felt God had given me a vision for her or a prophetic word for her. And I saw her on a pirate ship. Right, All these pirates around her coming at her with swords trying to get her to walk the plank. And she's fighting back. She wants to stay on. She doesn't want to jump off. But God was telling her to just jump off and just be free, and he's going to heal her and break, uh, break off all the turmoil in her life. Now, I fought with God for a little bit on this, right, because I had been playing a lot of video games during that time, and one of the video games was a pirate-based video game. And so I'm thinking to myself, surely this is the video game. This is me just making it up. This isn't God. But I just couldn't get rid of that feeling. I knew that it was God. And so I stepped out at the risk of looking like a fool, and I released it to her, and she broke down crying, on the floor crying, because she knew what it meant. And everybody was able to gather around and pray for her, and she received breakthrough that night, all because I was willing to say, I see you on a pirate ship. It sounded crazy, but do you think she cared that I was saying I saw her on a pirate ship? No. All she cared about was that God showed up. And that is what we, as believers, need to do. And here at Coastal, we want everybody here to be willing and able to reach out from a position of strength, right? But in order to do so, you have to be willing to look like a fool for Christ. And as I kind of wrap this up, I'm going to ask Maria to come up and play the keys. There's a few things, just to recap, that we need to do. We need to understand that he's the same God yesterday, today, forever. There's nothing new under the sun. Every situation we're going through, somebody else has gone through it. Somebody in the Bible has gone through something similar, except for maybe like, you know, rockets going to the moon. I didn't see that in the Bible anywhere. Uh, But every other situation, 
something, there, there's a testimony of it, either in the Bible or somewhere for us to hear. So we need to get the word inside of us to build up our faith. We need to be willing to listen to the testimony of others who have gone through what we are going through so that we can build up our hope and our faith to be able to overcome that same thing. And then we also need to be willing to share our testimonies. Anytime God comes through for us, the victories that they were talking about, celebrate those victories with a high five or a kiss or whatever, uh, but then share those victories with other people. Maybe not the details of the kiss, but share those victories with other people, amen? So that they too can receive from that and they can build their faith so that they can uh, believe that they can overcome what they're going through. And then you've got to be willing to, to be a fool. If you need healing, be like the woman with the issue of blood. Be willing to crawl through the crowd to get to Jesus, to receive your healing. There is no shame in receiving from God. No shame whatsoever. It doesn't matter what leads you to that. It doesn't matter how it looks on the outside. What matters is that God is giving you healing. He's giving you wholeness. He's doing what you need him to do. And then also, you need to be willing to be a fool to help your brothers and sisters. You need to be willing to say and do what God leads you to do at the risk of looking like a fool so that they too can experience living in God's power. Now, before we end, I do want to make sure that we give everybody a chance to get the starting point, right? Because all of this is great, but you can't live in the power of God or walk in the power of God until you first accept the love of God, into your heart. So I'm going to ask us all to bow our heads, close our eyes this morning, and I want everyone to say this out loud. I want everyone to repeat after me. Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I believe that you raised him from the dead. So I accept him today as my Lord and my Savior, in Jesus' name, amen. So now that we're all going to heaven, we've got that part out of the way, now I'm going to give you an opportunity to be a fool for Christ, right? Within reason. Please don't come up and punch me. But, but what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask everybody to stand with me. If you need healing today for anything, no matter what it is, whether it's a physical healing, uh, a mental uh, health healing, whether you need reconciliation with your family, whether you need a financial miracle, whatever it is, I'm going to ask you to be like the woman with the issue of blood. It doesn't matter how many people are up here. It doesn't matter how many people are in the way. Don't let that stop you from coming and receiving your miracle today. So if you need healing, if you need prayer, if you need anything at all from God, just come up here to the altars right now. It's a safe, open space. Be a fool for Christ. Don't let shame, don't let guilt, don't let the thoughts of others block you from receiving what you need to today. And then for everybody else, if you don't need healing or reconciliation or anything at the moment, remember that there's, it's a two-way street here, right? And that we too are called to be a fool for Christ to pray for those that need healing, to reach out and to to give the prophetic words that God puts on our heart. So I'm going to ask everyone else, if you're willing, to come up and put a hand on somebody's shoulder, to release what God 
has put in your heart over them today. And we're just going to take a couple minutes here to just sit here, receive from God, God, we just release healing in this place. We just release the healing power of God over your children today. Regardless of what the issue is, whether it's knee pain, back pain, shoulder, issues with migraines, issues in the, the brain, sight be restored today in Jesus' name. Hearing be restored in Jesus' name. Lord, we just ask that you would meet each and every person up here where they are. Whatever need they have, you know, and you can fix it because you've done it before. And Brian, in the back, I know we talked earlier, but I really felt like God was saying that no matter what you go through in this time, in this season, he's preparing you for something greater. You're not in this for no reason. And he wants you to know that he is there. Those times where you look at the situation and you struggle to understand where God's at, he's right there with you every single time, every step of the way. This is gonna be an amazing testimony for you as you walk through a, a tougher time in your life. Your testimony and what you're going through is gonna be the reason so many people get saved. So just stand on that. Father God, we thank you. Lord, we just release your glory over this prayer this place. Let your Holy Spirit flow. Let healing flow. Let reconciliation with families flow right now in Jesus' name. For you are holy. You alone are holy. In Jesus' name.